0: God put on my heart to take two weeks in May to gear us up for the summer so that we wouldn't just have a summer that we do our thing and it would just blur, blur it together with all the other summers we've had. That this summer would have something unique, something supernatural to it. That we could have even some metrics so that we could... Say, look at what actually happened this summer. Something eternal. Something that we will never forget to happen this summer. We all need a break in the summer. We all need to, you know, let down our hair. It's nice to get out of town. Even if you have a staycation, it's still nice to take a little bit of a break to unplug. We all, we all appreciate that. There's a Sabbath built into the cadence of life that God wants us all to enjoy. But in the middle of all the breaks, it's not, you know, really a summer and, and a sabbatical is not about getting away from reality, but it's about an upgrade. Yeah. It's about receiving and entering into some things that we, we take time for in the summer, that we accomplish in the summer, that that we gain in the summer, more than just taking a break. We we want more than that out of summer 2022. And so we've been looking here at this rich chapter of the Bible. It's Luke chapter 10. And it begins, Jesus is exhorting 72 no-name disciples that he commissions and sends out with specific vision and and commissioning and instruction to have a significant, fruitful, God-encountering ministry. And it doesn't say it's during the summer. I'm not trying to overdo that. But it was a season. We don't... It was obviously more than a day. It was at least a week, maybe three weeks. It might have been a few months. We don't know time frame. That's not revealed. But it was enough for them to go to to many cities and, and, and neighborhoods. And so th- this probably was about two to three months. I think it's fair to assume that, that this takes place. And the first thing Jesus did with these 72 when he commissioned them, he gave them a vision. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. And what he's doing here is he's letting these 72 people see life the way he sees it. You know, what you may be fixated on may be the Dow or the NASDAQ or the price of gas or... or or what's going on in Ukraine or with NATO or, or these kinds of things that, that fill our news feeds and that the media uh, wants to preoccupy our thinking with. But understand, God is preoccupied with the harvest. He sees the harvest. The harvest is what he thinks about. And it's what he works on. And from God's perspective... The harvest is not skimpy. There's not just one or two people somewhere on earth that might be interested in hearing the gospel. From his perspective, there are people everywhere who want to hear the gospel. He says the harvest is plentiful. And he wants us to see the plentiful harvest that's going on in the world today. And as we enter into the summer, I want to tell you the harvest is plentiful in your neighborhood, in your relationships. The harvest is plentiful, and he wants you to see this. And then in response to the harvest, he gives two pieces of advice. Two action steps, if you will. Number one is to pray. And he says, I love this, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Talk to the Lord of the harvest about the harvest. Talk to him about the harvest. And and today... I call you to make a decision to spend more time talking with the Lord of the Harvest about the harvest this summer. Because if you're going to be led by the Lord of the Harvest into the harvest, you better talk to him about the harvest. He wants to work in you before you, you get, leave your front door and go out into the harvest. And the more you talk to him about the harvest, the, the better you're going to respond in those moments when God puts you next to the right people. So number one is to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Uh, talk to the Lord of the harvest about the harvest. And number two is to go. He says here in verse uh, uh, Verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, systematically, consistently, passionately to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Three times he uses the word harvest. I'm telling you, God is preoccupied with the harvest. God is motivated by the harvest. He has permanently linked himself to the harvest by even identifying himself as the Lord of the harvest. That's what he does. He, he takes dominion over the harvest. The harvest is not going to be wasted. The, the people that are, that are called of God to be born again, they're not going to go to hell because God, he's the Lord of the harvest. He oversees the process. But he, he in, invites you into the process Call on the Lord. Call on the Lord of the harvest. And notice then, then, when you ask, when you pray the Lord of the harvest, it says he will will send out laborers. But the the word send out is really weak. It's much weaker than the word used here. The, The word used here is he literally throws out laborers. Like watching the Braves. And the opening pitch, and, and the significance of that moment in a baseball game. It's the same word used. He doesn't take a baseball, he takes you, and he takes me, and he throws us out into the harvest. The same God who gathers us to himself throws us out from himself into the harvest. It's what he does, it's what it says. And then it says, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you as lambs among wolves. And then he says in verse 5, whatever house you enter, say peace be to the house. Verse 7, remain in the same house. So God not only wants us to go, he not only sends us out, but like a good pitcher, God knows us knows exactly where to send us. He knows exactly to whom to send us. These are what we call divine appointments. God pitches us out. He throws us out into, when you bought your home, you may not have been thinking about who would live next to you, but God knew. When your kids signed up for the soccer team, you may not have thought about who the other parents would be but God did when, when uh, you attended your first HOA you didn't know who would show up but God did when you applied for a job in Atlanta and got it and got transferred here God knew who would be working in your office and he, and he knew those relationships ahead of time because God's a good pitcher he's got perfect aim He positions you in relationship to other people for a reason. It's all for the harvest. It's all for the harvest. But when he he positions us, he says, think harvest and think household. Because every household is a harvest. Every, Every relationship you develop has a, a, a harvest aspect to it. It's part of our M.O., our mindset, our motivation, because when we're in Christ, we are part of his motivation. And everything, from God's perspective, is about the harvest. And every relationship, whether casual or or deeper, from God's perspective, they're all about the harvest. And when when we go house to house, or relationship to relationship, he says very specifically, don't be random. Be strategic. Look for the person of peace. That's what it says here. Now, it uses the term in verse 6, son of peace, But obviously the gender was not the specific thing. So we don't want to think just men, obviously. This This is children. This is elderly. This is everyone in between. It's a person of peace. That's what we look for. And it tells us how to identify the person of peace. Someone who welcomes us. It says, stay in the house. If they welcome you, stay there. Build that relationship. The second, they're serving. Eat what they give you. Drink what the beverage that they provide for you. And then they're responsive. Heal their sick. They're willing for you to pray for them. And teach them the kingdom. They're willing to listen to what you have to say. All that means that they're responsive. So those three characteristics are the characteristics Jesus gives here to the 72 that were sent out. Now, if that's all there was, there's a lot to go on. But that's not all. In verse 17, the 72 return. Now again, there's no timeline, but it's it's likely a couple months. Now, verse 17, the 72 returned, and look at how they returned. They returned, it says, with joy. They were full of joy. That's kind of cool. And it doesn't say there were 68 that returned. It doesn't say there were 54 or 25. He sent out 72, and all 72 returned. There was no, no dropouts. And there weren't uh, a third of them complaining and two thirds rejoicing. They were all full of joy. They're all full of joy, they were all fulfilled. and they say lord even the demons are subject to us in your name you could just see him slapping high fives and bumping chests and ah yes. oh, that was so cool man can you believe this and then and then jesus now this is kind of amazing Down to verse 21, it says that not only did the 72 return with joy, when they returned with joy, Jesus was full of joy. It says, verse 21, in that same hour, he rejoiced. So he's rejoicing, and and he's supernaturally rejoicing. It says he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And we'll come back to that. But now he, he addresses the disciples. These 72, guys whose names we'll never know. And in response to their joy, Jesus says in verse 18, hey guys, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now imagine this, the 72 are going door to door. They're building some friendships and while they're going door to door, Satan is dropping like a rock out of heaven. I mean, can you imagine this? Why? Because they're going door to door. You, you wonder, what's the big deal going door to door? They're making friends, and yet Satan's falling like a rock. Well, this is significant. This is the only place in the whole Bible that Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like a rock. In fact, it's faster than a rock. A lightning moves faster than a rock. You know, it's not, he doesn't say, I, I saw Satan fall like snow. Or like I saw Satan fall like a leaf. It wasn't even rain. I saw him fall like lightning. Bam. You know, from the time you see it start till the time it's over, it's like. What's it travel? A mile, two miles, three miles, whatever. It's done. One whack. And here, it's Satan. Yes. Now, we know, let me just give us a little background here. So we know um, God created angels, and among the angels, the holy angels he created, Satan was one of them. Yeah. In fact, he wasn't just one of them. He was the lead worship leader of, among the angels. Yeah. And, and then one day, he got tired of leading the cheers for God. And he says, I want somebody to cheer for me. I want to get some of that. Well, God took one smell of that, and that just stunk. So he he throws him out of where? His house. The father threw Satan out of the house, and he never returned, never will. Where did he go? Well, he has a little influence on earth, there's that. But he went to this realm somewhere between heaven, the throne of God, and earth. You can call it the middle heaven. You can call it um, the second heaven. Uh, here's a verse for you. Ephesians 2.2 2 calls Satan the prince of the power of the air. So whatever that means, he, Satan now dwells in this air realm. Well, now get this. When these disciples are going door to door, house to house, making friends for Jesus, Satan is getting thrown now. He's already been thrown out of heaven, but now he's being thrown out of this middle realm. Bam! And then the next verse is so cool. Verse 19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. I hope you underline that verse. Because here's the deal. I have heard so many Christians say this, Oh, pastor, the way God's using you, you better watch out for the devil because he's going to get even with you. That is such a stupid statement. That is not biblical. You tell me one place in the Bible where it says watch out for the devil, if you get close to God, the devil's going to jump all over you. That's so stupid. You stay away from God and the devil will eat your lunch, but you get right with God, you do what God tells you, and the devil will stay away from you. That's what Jesus says here. Well, this one gets me concerned. I'm telling you, I hear this a lot. Oh, Pastor, we better really pray for you because God's really using you, and then you know the devil hates that, and he's gonna try to get, get even with you. Where do we get this idea that we have to live in fear because we're walking closer to God or God's really using us? No, forget. We're really that's it's bad theology. It's terrible theology. We should That's witchcraft. There's no place in the church. You can forget that. Here it says, while you're out there casting out demons, I saw Satan fall. He's not more enthroned. He has less authority. You're the one that has more authority, and you don't have to worry about him. That's what it says. And then, oh, one of my favorite verses, verse 20, nevertheless, even though Satan will, you can boss him around, do not rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You can dice that 20 different ways, but I'll tell you at the heart of it, here's what this is saying. No matter how much God uses you, your primary reason for joy is not to be found in what you do for God, but in what he does for you. That's the heart of this. You can go to a wedding and sign your name in the book, but you can't go to heaven and sign your name in the book. You can go to a funeral and sign your name in the book, but you can't go to heaven and sign your name in in the book of heaven. What it says. Rejoice that your names are written in the roll call of heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to ask you, is your identity more linked in what you do for God or what God does for you? If your identity is wrapped up in what you do for God, you're in trouble. You're a disaster waiting to happen. Your ultimate fulfillment is never to be based ultimately on what you accomplish. No matter how great it may be. Because that is not your identity. Your identity is in the fact that God loves you. And sent his son for you. And has adopted you into his family. That's your identity. That's who you are. And it's not based on what you do. It's not based on your accomplishments for him. It's based purely on his love for you. If your identity is based on what you do, you're never going to measure up. You're always going to feel insecure. You're always going to have part of inside of you that'll never, it'll always be sucking. Trying to get satisfied. And then, and people's disapproval or approval will make your day or break your day. Forget that. Forget that. Your identity Is based on the fact that you have a God who loves you. And he invited you into his family. And he wrote your name in his book. That's who you are. That's how special you are. Hallelujah. Now, at this point, he goes from talking to the disciples... These 72, to talking to the Father. And this is where he's overflowing with joy. Verse 21, in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or the Father is except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now think of that. This is full of the Father. And when, when Jesus' joy erupts and spills over, Out of his mouth comes this prayer, all to the Father, but all about revelation. He is overjoyed that the Father has revealed his plan to these 72 no-name followers who now get it. They may have gotten it more than even the 12. And my friends... Dear church family, we are part of this 72. These 72 represent you and me. Our names are not going to be in the Bible, but our names are written in heaven. And to us has been revealed the heart of the Father. That the Father sent the Son for one mission, to Expand the family. So that the Son wouldn't be the only one who could rightfully call God Father. But you can call God Father and I can call God Father because of the Son. Because the Son wrote our names in that book in heaven with his own blood. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the revelation. This is the revelation that Jesus overflowed with joy when he saw it. And now, you have this revelation. God wants you to see the eternal purpose of God in Christ was not simply to reconcile you to himself, but to give you the ministry of reconciliation. This morning, the Holy Spirit spoke to me something I hadn't ever thought of these words before. And here's here's what God told me. Fred, your church family does not truly appreciate my salvation if they have no joy in sharing my salvation with others. That's a warning. I want to say this a few different ways. If you value Jesus' salvation, you demonstrate how much you value his salvation by telling other people about it. It's as simple as that. or let me put it this way, if you are not telling others about his salvation, you do not truly appreciate his salvation. That's a sobering thought. I lay it before you. I believe it's true. That's why the Bible invites us drink with joy from the well of his salvation. When you drink with joy from the well of his salvation, that joy is infectious. That joy is something you can't contain. And that's why the sequence that Jesus gave when he laid out in front of his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. He said, first of all, pray. Because in prayer, you will drink with joy from the well of my salvation. And then go, because then you will have the joy of his salvation to share with others. It's really not that complicated. It's not that fancy. It's really pretty straightforward. When we value his salvation, when we value the eternal purposes of God, we become part of the mission, we become part of the process. Now, one of the key words used here multiple times, and really it's the theme of, of this entire passage, it's the Greek word oikos. It's, it runs throughout. You see, here when Jesus is talking with the Father, he, five times he uses the name Father, 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 Father. Why? Because that's, that's, that's who they are. It's Father and Son, And Jesus, the eternal Son, was the only one who had the right to legitimately call God Father. You and I did not have that. You and I do not have the right to call God Father apart from Jesus. Who who gave you that right if you think you have it? You didn't earn it. Jesus is the only one. That's why you call on his name and he gives you the right to become a child of God. You got to call on his name? It's only because of Jesus? And the whole mission of Jesus is to expand the oikos of heaven, the household of heaven, that it wouldn't just be for all eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity, but that the, the, the oikos of God would expand. And that's why he sent his son. To include you. So that with his blood, he could write your name in the book of heaven. To include you in the oikos of God. And now that your name is written in the the book of heaven, he now calls you to tell others about his family to call others into his family. And this passage ends with a great blessing. So he first, Jesus first talked to the disciples, then he talked to the Father. Now, <clears throat> verse 23, it says, Then turning back to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are your eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Hallelujah. There's a blessing that God has for you this summer. If I were to ask you, how many of you want to have a blessed summer? Of course. How many of you want to have a joy filled summer? Of course. If you, how many of you want to have a supernatural summer? Of course. How many of you want to have a fruitful summer? Of course. We want a blessed, joyful, supernatural, fulfilling, fruitful summer. Well, here's how: make a decision today to pray the Lord of the harvest. I invite you today to make a decision. To take one hour a week, what are there, 168 hours in the the course of a week, take one of the 168 hours of the week to talk, that same time every week, to talk to the Lord of the harvest about the harvest. One hour a week. I call you to that. And number two, to choose today to go Oikos to oikos, relationship to relationship, to find your person of peace. I call you to that today. To determine in your heart that by the grace of God you will find a person of peace. Now you don't do this on your own. That's why listen to me carefully. To purpose in your heart. That's that's you're making. You're you're declaring a resolution that you resolve by the grace of God to do your best to find a person of peace. Now, God has to reveal them to you, but God's calling you to, to align yourself with the Word of God. I believe God's inviting us to do this across the congregation. In fact, I want to ask us to make a, a commitment. So, I want to just grab the, um, the program and on the flap of the program, if you would just take your program, and on the inside, it says person of peace. And I'm, I'm calling us as a church family to make a decision today. Some of you may choose not to. That's up to you. It's my responsibility to call you to make this decision. And that is to say, by the grace of Christ, this summer, I will find a person of peace. That's your call. By the grace of God, that means if he doesn't reveal it, you have at least sought him and sought to find your person of peace. I call you to make that decision. And in the last two services, there have been many that have come and put their names on a card and placed it here. And I'm calling you to make that decision today. If you're in high school, I ask you to make that decision. Those of you that have graduated, God bless you in your graduation, but I call you to have a a joy-filled, fruitful summer. If you're a single person, I call you to make a decision today that you will pursue in the oikos relationships of life to find that person of peace. If you live in an apartment, if you're a homeowner, if you're a boarder, wherever your home is, today, say, by the grace of God, I will incorporate this into my summer 2022 to find the person of peace. I believe God's going to do something supernatural. Now why am I asking us to to do this demonstratively? Because I've been at this a while and I know personally when I see others doing what God's calling me to do, it's encouraging. When I hear stories of other people finding people of peace, it encourages me. We're going to share stories. And we're going to encourage each other in this step of obedience. Now, the second part of this is the prayer. And for this, I want to ask you to consider taking one hour of the week, one hour, to talk with the Lord of the Harvest about the harvest, to pray on this. Now, you might say, well, why not five minutes? I can commit to five minutes. Well, if you can commit to five minutes, go for it. But the reason I'm saying an hour is because your five minutes is going to become 15 minutes, which is going to become 25 minutes, and it's going to become 45 minutes, and it's going to become 60 minutes, so why not just say 60 minutes? But, but to, to really talk to the Lord of the Harvest, this is not casual. It doesn't say pray casually. It says pray earnestly. That's what it says. You want to pray five minutes, you can pray casually, but that's not what it's calling for. It says pray earnestly. That means consistently. It means passionately. And it's not just you talking to him. It's you listening. If you're doing all the talking, you can do all the talking in 25 minutes, but you can't do any listening. You want to do listening, it takes a little while. I call us as a church family to take a step today. To grow up a little bit today. To make a commitment today to take an hour a week. And to find, by the grace of God, a person of peace. I believe this is the call of God for us heading into the summer. And on the back, in the middle of the room, there's kind of a Starbucks table there. And on there is uh, the outline of a week, seven days, from all one-hour slots from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And uh, this is the calling for us to express when we're going to take that hour. Why? Because we're a family. We're not doing it to show off. It's not about that. But it's to share with the family, I'm in. I'm, I take this seriously. I, I believe God's speaking to us. And we're going to do this. And specifically on that sheet, you can pray at home for that hour, but I want to encourage you to consider coming to the prayer room for that hour. If you decide you can pray effectively at home, then do it at home. But when I'm at home, there's the remote. There's my couch. There's, there's the fridge. There's my cat that'll jump on my shoulder. All these distractions. The cat doesn't come with me to the prayer room. The refrigerator's a long way away. I'm not going to have the interruptions. It's a nice part a place set apart. And I want to encourage you to consider taking advantage of that room this summer, three months this summer, one hour a week, to meet God and talk with the Lord of the harvest about the harvest. Are we good? Okay, worship team, come on up. And um, we're, in a moment, we're going to stand and sing. And as we do, I hope there's a lot of movement in the room. If you've got that card filled out from your tear-off, you can come down this way. If you want to make a one-hour commitment, uh, you can move to the back and sign up there, and many of us will do both. So feel free to move around. And um, let me just say... I, I probably botched the, um, the, the, the graduation a little bit. Our intention, and it should have been better communicated, I think, was to, to call publicly the high school grads. Uh, those graduating from, from other institutions, uh, college and, and graduate school, your names are there. We honor you, uh, but it, we were, the intention was not to walk down. I hope there was no offense given at that point. Let's stand together. And uh, as we declare the name of Jesus, you feel free to come here and place your commitment for the person of peace, to pursue the person of peace, and for prayer on the back sheet in the middle.